0: It's underway here on ESPN Plus. Sevi Salazar, Hercules Gomez, a man who won plenty over the course of his long career. Did you ever double-fist at the podium, like Bonucci? Yes, but not <laughs> with
1: not with the soda. Usually, it's uh, alcohol on alcohol uh, damage. I'm doing there. By the okay. way, look what I got here.
0: Whoa. Okay. All right. Do we actually official? Are we officially a show now that we have our own? Merch? We have
1: merchandise. You can go online, ESPN Plus and No, I'm just kidding. Not there yet, but
0: we'll get there soon. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of merch, uh, what are you wearing there? A little España 82? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, you know, I didn't
1: know that the oranges were famous in Spain until I went to Valencia and, uh, well, where the world-famous Valencia oranges are from. But, yes, I have España 82, little World Cup tea action going on.
0: Bam. Speaking of world-famous, how mm. about that? You love it. Your boy, Cruyff, the all-time, one of Is the all-time that greats. It's beautiful. It is. It is. Very, very soft. Um, all right, lots coming up in this show. Of course, we're going to talk about Leonardo Bonucci, uh, Copa America, reacting to the United States one nothing victory over Haiti. But we've got to start with Mexico. Yes, the 0-0 draw against Trinidad and Tobago on Saturday. But, hurt more importantly, Chucky Lozano getting seriously injured very early in this match. He's actually stretchered off and taken to the hospital after this collision here with Marvin Phillip, the Trinidad And Tobago goalie, really scary scenes. Lozano released from the hospital on Sunday. And uh, as we would later come to find out, of course, no surprise, he's out for the rest of the Gold Cup. He's going to miss at least reportedly a month with this injury. It is still scheduled for neurological exams, which obviously is something of grave concern. Herc, when you saw this, uh, I guess obviously the first concern is Chuki Lozano's health. As we see him now out of the hospital, we turn it back to soccer and we talk about the national team. What's the impact on El 3 of losing Chucky Lozano?
1: Let me start by saying I'm glad that he's okay. It, it looked bad when I'm sitting at home uh, with my family and you see something like that happen. And it puts things into perspective because immediately you see Funes Moni. He's not asking for a penalty. He's not you know, asking the ref what's going on or hands up in the air. Immediately goes to attend Chuki Lozano, who seemed to be bloodied. And honestly, it looked like he was unconscious on the floor before we even got to it. So I- I'm glad he's okay. What do you lose with not having a player of Chucky Lozano? Well, look at those statistics. Look at the goals, look at the assists. Quite frankly, you lose your best player, your best finisher. The only player that you, Tata Martino, can consistently count on to be dangerous. Chucky y diezmas. That's Chucky and 10 other players. That's how important he's been especially since Raul Jimenez has gone down with injury. He seems to be the only player capable of instilling fear in the opposition for the Mexican national team.
0: Yeah, it seems like these injuries are just starting to pile up. And I was thinking about this the other day, like a year ago. If you would have said, who are the two players on Mexico that you just absolutely do not want to have an injury and specifically a long-term injury, you probably would have gone Raul Jimenez won and Chucky Lozano too I mean for me This totally changes the ceiling The expectations for the Mexican national team Because like Jimenez This is an injury that we don't know what it is When you hear, I'm sorry Her neurological exams yeah. That is super scary And so we, we've seen what it's cost Jimenez If you can imagine what it could cost Lozano And it's anything similar uh, It's it's just devastating to El to Tri
1: it, it really is And I, I hate going there but in its time, November 2020, when it happened to what was Raul Jimenez, uh, he'll be fine. He's going to come back stronger than ever. That's all we kept hearing. And, and yet we were like, be careful. Wait, these injuries are nothing to laugh about. You have to tend to them and you have to be serious. His most, the most important thing here is his health. I, I heed the same approach with Chucky Lozano on that. It's his health. And then we go from there. What happens to the Mexican National team? Well, hold on. Right now, you're seeing the U.S. men's national team opting to keep their players in Europe in preseason because they want Mm. them to earn spots. Well, this is four to six weeks if it's best case scenario. He's going to lose out a big chunk of what is preseason for Napoli. Maybe a potential transfer, maybe a potential chance to win himself a position in that starting lineup and then Mexico. Because this Mm. Mexican national team, Tata Martino, I've never seen him under so much pressure in this sphere. In this region, with the Mexican national team, his best player goes down. He's now out Raul Jimenez and out Chucky Lozano. Next next man up, hasn't really proved to be the same. Has his own injuries. Is Tecatito Corona as the most important player. Aging side, it's one after the other. If Chucky Lozano doesn't come back, you can seriously start planning a scenario where Mm -hmm. maybe Mexico isn't the uh, gigante of CONCACAF like we thought.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think when the U.S. beats Mexico 3-2, you can say, okay, the U.S. is catching up to Mexico. But when you take Raul Jimenez and Chucky Lozano out of Mexico, I think we're looking at a a far more short-term future where the U.S. potentially overtakes Mexico there is some good news on all this front if you're a Mexico fan and that's Raul Jimenez is back in full training with Wolves who started their preseason uh, Monday so that's obviously a, a huge lift potentially for the national team if he can come back to be anywhere near the level of player um, that he was in the past Herc let's get to the I don't want to call them highlights from this game because there really weren't uh, many, but Mexico did play to a scoreless draw against Trinidad and Tobago. Basically, the highlights here are a ton of Mexico chances and none of them finished.
1: Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, how many times have we seen this? How many times have we seen Mexico completely dominate possession 82% and create lots of opportunities off of that possession all the time. And what happens? They can't put the ball on the back of the net. I will say when Chucky Lozano goes down, you almost had that feeling that it was going to be one of those days. Mm-hmm. Like it was destined to be like that. But that said, keeper had a great day. Okay. He's no shock of He had a good day. <laughs> Fine. But you have to put this away. You're playing against a team that is no longer in contention for the World Cup. You're playing against a team that, on paper, is ranked, what, 206th, if I'm not mistaken? In, in no particular.
0: way. No way they're that low. No, I don't know how low they
1: are. but They're, they're a team that that should no, in no way take you to those limits. And Mexico, in front of a packed stadium,
0: couldn't score their goal and ends up getting a tie. Absolutely. You know what? The interesting thing is a lot of those chances... Felta Funes Mori, and that's the reason he's brought in, right, is to finish it. And, and a lot of those were on his head, which I think is a, a strong suit of his game. He had, yeah. like, five headers uh, and couldn't convert any of them. Sure, we give credit. We give credit to the goalie. Fine. Made a great game. Seven saves. Perfect. But Ra- uh, Rogelio Funes Mori has to score these chances. That's why they brought him in. And what did we say in the last show, Herc? It's his moment now. Yeah. Chicharitos, Chicharitos on an island. Uh, Raul Jimenez is injured. Chucky Lozano is now injured, who's the other option at number nine. Funes Mori has to grab this opportunity by the horns, or else you know what? It's just going to be Henry Martin. It's going to be Alain Pulido. It's going to be whoever is left of the lot if he can't finish these type of chances. I think this was a a huge opportunity missed specifically for Funes Mori.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't make or break because of the Trinidad game. We're going to evaluate his performance on what happens throughout the entirety, the body of work that is the Gold Cup. I will say this. You saw his hold-up play, his ability to play with the back-to-goal, which emulates a little bit of what Raul Jimenez does. The Chucky Lozano injury, it's a penalty, it's a push from behind, but it's a clear chance opportunity on goal for Chucky Lozano because of the wall pass, because of that one-two that Rogelio Funes Mori plays. He's savvy in the final third. I don't mind if you're missing opportunities if you're a forward, be worried when they're not getting those opportunities to be missed. Right now, Rogelio Funes Mori, it's one game. But I agree with you. You have to assume, you have to think that the pressure will continue to rise, continue to mount if he doesn't start putting these away. And that said, he just scored on his debut against Nigeria, the very first couple of minutes of the game. So, listen, I understand where you're going, and I agree with you. But it's one game, and he can still
0: change that. Fair enough. If we would have judged Harry Kane's Euros off the first two games, correct. there you go. We would have thought a totally different thing of of what the player ends up being. He has a great tournament. Same thing could happen here um, for Funes Mori. Uh, One big development, though, when Chucky comes out of the match, is that Efraín Álvarez comes in. And this is important because now he's cap-tied to Mexico. It also makes you think, Herc, that he's kind of the first option to replace uh, Chucky Lozano. Obviously, you don't replace Chucky, but if Efra is the option, how did he do?
1: He did okay but I don't understand what people want from Efra. Efra is a is a project because he's not a solidified starter or much of a presence in his club team in his history and he certainly doesn't have that experience on the national team and you certainly aren't going to walk in and fill the void that is Chucky Lozano. Nobody mm-hmm. in that squad in that team Sans maybe a Tecatito Corona, has that ability. Certainly not Efrain Alvarez at this moment. He's an interesting project, an interesting choice, but there's no way he's going to fill that void. How did he do? He did okay because he's that type of player. He's a player that's very Jekyll or Hyde for me. He has the ability to wow you. He has the ability to completely leave you jaw on the floor with moments of magic. And then he has the ability to just disappear, the ability to not Mm. touch the ball, the ability to wander off and drift into spaces and you don't hear or see from him. And that at this level isn't really what you want from a player who's supposed to come in and fill a void of an impact player.
0: He represented the U.S. at the under 15 level. He's only 19 now, Herc. Chuki's 25, 26. That's like a huge gap. And I think you see that in in the different players that they are. The one thing I would also say about Chuki is he's one of the few Mexican players who you can basically always count on to have a physical advantage over his opponent. And I mean, it's the most cliche thing and it's in every sport. Speed kills and you can't coach it. And Chucky has elite speed, elite quickness. And there, uh, is there anybody else, anybody else in the Mexican pool that has that? Con- Maybe like Jurgen Dam back in the day. I, I don't think there's anybody that can really be a threat to stretch a team and do that, Chucky. And it's certainly not Efraín Alvarez.
1: No, Jurgen Dam's a great shout, but he's not in the Not pool the today. No, no. Yeah. But he'd be the closest you can get to Chucky Lozano in his ability to stretch a defensive back line. I will give Efra this speed of thought. He has that with him. He's got the Cuatemoc blanco Blanco-esque where he's deceiving because his, his body, uh, physical shape, isn't what you would think on the field of beating players physically, being able to stretch them, being able to beat them on the quick first step. But mentally, he's so much stronger than most. But he's just young. He's 19 years of age. So he has to couple that with the ability to stay in
0: games, be involved always. All right. Speaking of dual nationals, what about David Ochoa? Remember, he was with the U.S. Olympic qualifying team. They didn't make it to Tokyo. Then he was actually the third goalie on the Nations League roster as they beat Mexico. And now he's training, but not with the U.S., Herc with the Mexican national team during the Gold Cup. What do you make of it? You
1: know what it's like when you're a dual national and you have opportunities. You know what it's like being Mexican-American in this country and having love for two different cultures, for two different countries. He can explore that opportunity if he'd like. He wasn't called in for the Gold Cup. So if you're not called in for the Gold Cup, feel free to explore that opportunity. What I will say is fans, are fans? They're fanatics, and most don't understand what it's like to grow up the way you grew up. Some will take this the wrong way. When Davido Choa chooses where he wants to play, he needs to want make sure it's the right choice for him, his family, and it's what he ultimately wants to do because there is no going back. I don't have an issue with this. It doesn't mean it's set in stone. Also, Davido Choa just represented you in the U23 level for a team that had aspirations of going to the Olympics. Davido Choa was also involved in that game against Costa Rica in Salt Lake in his home stadium where he didn't play. So there are different things at play there. His gratitude and him being part of the equation and then maybe him seeing, well, if I can't get minutes in my own stadium in a meaningless friendly, where am I in this spectrum of things? Mm-hmm. So everything's at play. What well, I will say to Davito Cho is make the
0: choice, make it for you and nobody else. Hey, the timing here though, Herc is so interesting. You can't you can't deny that just the fact that like a week or two ago, month ago, he's celebrating a victory over Mexico with the U.S. at the Nations League. And now he's in the Mexican camp. That's weird. I, I, I do think that's odd. I, I, and I know sometimes you can't control the timing of these things. But if I'm Greg Berhalter or even Herc, if I'm a U.S. teammate, how do you think that sits with them? A U.S. teammate, let's forget about the coach because the coach looks at these guys as assets. If he can help me win I'll take him. But as Correct. a teammate, the fact that this guy went and trained with your rivals, are you cool with that? It doesn't matter if I'm cool with it or not because most people will never yeah, know it what is. Yeah, it is because that's a question
1: I asked. No. Well, you you don't matter to me. What I'm trying to tell you is that the
0: teammates
1: <laughs> matter to each other. And her. that's fine, Seb, but nobody has grown up the way you've grown up. Seb, you've got a deep appreciation for what is the Mexican culture. If I questioned your identity right now, what would you say? No, no, no.
0: I'm questioning your loyalty to the team. If that's what I'm questioning. Your loyalty to the team your loyalty
1: What would you say you don't know what it's like to grow up with yes the team you don't know what it's like to grow up as i do as i have i can tell you because i grew up this way being mexican-american you grow up with two sets of idols two sets of heroes you have the cuatemoc blancos and your kobe jones you grow up a certain way where you don't feel part of this nor part of that you don't feel good enough to be here nor good enough to be there you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions I don't know David Ochoa personally. I don't know the discussions he's had with Greg Burhalter or Tata Martino or his teammates, because like you, I also saw him in that U23 tournament in Guadalajara, shoving Johan uh, Vasquez, throwing him to the ground, having some words from some Mexican national team players. I don't know those conversations. What I do know is if you're in that position and all things are equal, you make the best decision for you and your family and nobody else.
0: All right, let's get to the other, I think, most important storyline from this Mexico game against Trinidad, and that is the homophobic chant that just continues to follow this Mexican senior national team, Herc, wherever they play, certainly in the U.S. It returned on Saturday in Arlington. It's heard multiple times and eventually did lead to a stoppage in the 86th minute, I believe, again, in the 96th minute. It's the same chant that's drawn fines and FIFA ordering Mexico to play two matches behind closed doors. Uh, But I think one of the more interesting parts of this is kind of then, of course, the reaction afterwards. Like, right, what's everybody saying? Um, The first quote that we got out of this was actually from Rogelio Funes Mori, right? And we got to see what he had to say. Uh, This is it. That our fans scream the chant is obviously because of the referee. There are specific plays that he did not call correctly and that causes fans to get mad. Everybody saw the unfortunate play on Chucky. It was a penalty bigger than a house. Funes Mori would continue, sometimes these referees are not qualified for these matches and it's them who provoke this chant from the fans, their enragement, and we just hope CONCACAF does something so they can assign qualified referees. Okay, so that's one way to put it. Funes Mori then putting the onus for this on the referee. What do you make of it? It's a
1: cop-out, it's an excuse, and it's an embarrassing excuse if I'm being honest. Listen, on this platform, on this show, many a time we have said the true test for this fan base and the ability to eradicate this chant will be in a setting where things aren't going well for the Mexican national team. Well, here's that setting for the first time, your opportunity to prove that this is over with, that you're bigger than this. And what happens? You fail. You fall into this trap of homophobia, of, 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 of with the homophobic chant, I'm sorry. Uh, as a fan base, you have failed. In front of the world. UFL'd, in front of CONCACAF ufl CONCACAF have shown this fan base that it doesn't matter what happens, we're gonna keep things going, keep the show going, keep business going on as usual, because after the second chant, after the second protocol, what happened? We heard it clearly on the telecast a third time, and the game went on. It seems like they don't care. They are doing it to prove something. I don't know what, I don't know why but it doesn't matter. You have failed again. This is homophobia. You can say what you want about it. You keep failing Mexican fan base in general.
0: Yeah, it seems, Herc, a little bit like the message is not getting through. One thing on Funes Mori's comments, right? The only person responsible for yelling this chant is the person yelling this chant. It's not the referee. We we can't shift that away. We have to put the responsibility and, frankly, the shame on the people that are screaming this in a stadium. It's 100% down to them and their behavior. I would also suggest for Funes Mori and for any Mexican national team player that's going to address this, if you are going to talk about this, the only thing you should say is don't do it. It's disgusting, and it can hurt the team. That's really, like, they need to have a uniform... I don't know if it's a quote or whatever. They have to show these guys. They have to give them the media training. Do, do not address this if you're That's not going to give right? the uniform message every time. And I think that starts, Herc, at the top. Uh, Gerardo Torrado, great player, legend, now the sporting director for the national team. Three days before this at a press conference in Dallas, right? He's essentially holding a presser bragging about how they've just had three games sin grito. Yeah, it's like the the reality between one and the other is not the same. And Herc, to me it makes me worry that if the reality on the ground is not what FMF senses it to be, this is never really gonna get fixed. And this is going to be a very, very serious problem for Mexico because now FIFA cannot backpedal. Well,
1: that's the that's the issue at hand. It's the Mexican Federation, it's the players within the team and what they think of it. Because at first it was president of the Mexican Federation sending a card or, or a, a press release to FIFA explaining how this is part of the culture. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Excusing the expression, excusing the word. And then it's the players saying be respectful, but not addressing what exactly it is, homophobic, discriminatory. They don't call it for what it is. So when you beat around the bush, you give these fans an out. And when you give these fans an out and all of a sudden wanna take it back, and hey, hey, business is gonna be disrupted. Hey, no World Cup. By that end, it's way too late and
0: fans are just going to keep doing what they want. They started the wrong way and they keep going the wrong way with this. Yeah, and they keep putting up these protocols but never following through. We heard it multiple times in the game over the weekend, and yet we only ever got to step one of the protocol, which is pausing the game. We never pulled the players off, so we can never, ever get close to step three, which is eventually ending the game and maybe giving the points to the other team, which was exactly the idea for the manager of Trinidad and Tobago.
2: You know, there's no room for it in the game. There's no room for that type of behavior. I was very disappointed um, with the comments that were being made. Um, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I do know um, some words and some bad words and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I thought that uh, CONCACAF could have taken a step to actually call off the match because they were persistent uh, with it It didn't have any children audience in there, so you know it's not how our fans were behaving that way, and it didn't extend it to to threats, you know death um, threats and stuff. and also they they went up on social media and put a scenario that happened with Ansel Alcock o- o- almost a- a decades ago. Um, so it's very unfortunate and it's, it has no place in the game, and I think that um, the tournament organizers should really, Make an example um, in this case,
0: right, Herc? What do you make from the comments there from Angus Eve? I mean, he's not
1: saying anything we don't know. This is this is insane to me. Everybody seems to grasp the situation, but the Mexican national team, but the federation, but the fans around it. It's discriminatory. What what we're seeing today has no place in football. And we're seeing this at all types of levels, uh, Seb. We're seeing this happen in UEFA. We're seeing this happen at the Euros. We're seeing it happen in Latin America. And now it's trickling down to CONCACAF. And our inability to actually do something about it is now being seen by the world. It's sad. It's embarrassing. It's quite frankly a laughingstock.
0: Yeah, I'm with them. I think they should have given the three points to Trinidad. I think, I think we talked about abandoning friendlies, Herc. And, and they didn't want to take that step. This is a gold cup that the U.S. was willing to send a beat. What did you call it? A C team, to? Correct. So it, it's not that important, you know. It's it's admittedly for Mexico, not the imp- most important competition of the summer. Clearly, I think the Nations League team was stronger. So this really doesn't matter, you know. This group phase match. It does for the match, wallets. That's the issue here. That's fine, but uh, hey, but you know what else hurts the wallet? Missing a freaking World Cup. Yeah. That hurts your wallets, too. And if FIFA ever follows through with these protocols, that's the road that Mexico um, may be going down. On much more kind of short-term thinking, we have to think about what could be coming in the Gold Cup for Mexico. de Luisa with some very interesting comments just earlier today about what could happen Wednesday for Mexico. Here he is, the president of the Mexican Football Federation. Quote, We were asked yesterday if there was a possibility of playing Wednesday's match behind closed doors. It is a situation that has arisen, and surely in the next few hours, we will have direct communication. Okay, so is that the right punishment? Make Mexico play their next game behind closed doors at the Gold Cup?
1: (sighs) That's one way because they're drawing enormous crowds to what is the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. You know, it's one way to hurt their ability to have a home field advantage. All right, but but who does it hurt in the wallet? It hurts CONCACAF in the wallet, and it hurts all the CONCACAF teams in the wallet. And it hurts all the CONCACAF teams, but it's also, to no fault of Guatemala, they're Mm -hmm. being punished. Why should their fans be punished with the ability to see their team cheer for their team? Albeit, it may be in their best interest to play behind closed doors uh, And a competitive standpoint, if you really want to hurt them, Seb you hit them where it counts. You hit them in a World Cup qualifier where the Mexican national team can't get that gate, where they're hurt by that home field advantage. And if you want to go further, you start talking this World Cup. And if you want to go further on that, you start talking about the ability of pulling out Mexico as a host country for 2026. That's Mm. where you really get them. Wow. Yeah,
0: that would be major. I think also the, the idea of playing behind closed doors, it hurts the suits. It doesn't hurt the fans. And again, we have to point out the responsibility here is on the people that are yelling this. And I think you have to punish then the team because the thing that these fans supposedly care about is the team. Playing behind closed doors in the Gold Cup doesn't really hurt Mexico the way dropping points in a World Cup qualifier would. The way the team being pulled off the, the field and having to forfeit a Gold Cup match, that would be hurting the team. That, I think, would hurt the fans. That would send the message. At this point, the announcements, the playing behind closed doors, it all seems kind of too little and too late. You agree? I absolutely agree, but this is where we're at
1: because of Mexican Federation and what they've done trying to excuse this because of the Mexican national team players and their ability to just call it for what it is. You know, it, it's, it's homophobia because everybody in those circles refuses to really just say what it is, and this is why we're here.
3: Solo para se aplican restricciones.
0: All right, let's uh, change topics from one gigante of CONCACAF to a giant of CONCACAF and a team that actually won over the weekend. Herc, U.S. beating Haiti by a final score of 1-0 in Kansas City on Sunday. They do get the three points. The only goal of the game for the U.S. comes in the eighth minute from Sam Vines. There were a bunch of other chances, but... Uh, Really, actually, might have just been surprised at how dangerous Haiti was in this game. How'd you rate the US performance? Ah, uh, lackluster.
1: Hey, I'll give it a C. C going on C minus, which goes on par with this C group. Listen, it may be different players for Greg Verhalter. Same system, same problems. The defensive instability in transition. When you attack, when Shaq Moore's up in the final third, Sam Bynes, necessarily be up in the final third unless you're going to completely keep the ball unless you're going to have possession you're going to be good with it and this US men's national team at all levels doesn't matter who's been on the field has proven not to be good with it the same issues we saw them in the friendlies we saw them in the uh, CONCACAF Nations League semis and finals it's a, an inability to attack with balance so when you lose the ball, it's not coming back down your throat and it's not your center backs left in a 1v1 position and it's not your goalkeeper, be it Matt Turner in this case, having to come up. If Haiti was a little sharper on the night, it's a different outcome. Yeah. And it wasn't like the US was that dangerous going forward.
0: I'm with you, but I think it's kind of harsh to judge a BC team who are young and have probably never really played together. That's on what the other they- issue. Yeah, but on what they did collectively. You know, I I think really what we're looking for here is the individual performances. And for me, there's kind of two important ones. I'll start first with Shaq Moore, who's the player that you mentioned. Very interesting. He doesn't find out that he's starting that game until just before because Reggie Cannon uh, picks up an injury. But that RB2, that that kind of second right-back option is so important for this national team. If you find a guy that can play defensively well... You've got your guy if you need to or want to play in a back four. You also have a guy who allows you to push Serginho Dest up the field. I've been saying it forever. He's... Whoever you want to compare him to, Tecatito, Porto in Mexico, different roles. Alfonso Davies, Bayern Munich plays much higher up the field with Canada. That's, I think, the most powerful future for Sergino Dest with this U.S. men's national team. And to see Shaq Moore potentially give Reggie Cannon another bit of competition for that job, which I think is really important and also very much up for grabs with this team, critical. The other thing that personally kind of just stings because you know what the guy has been through, and I know you know this player well, is Paul Areola. This guy tore his ACL last year. He's not, he's not playing for 2026, Herc. He's playing for 2022, and that's probably it for him with the, with the senior national team, let's be honest. He picks up a hamstring injury 15 minutes into this game. He's out for the rest of the Gold Cup, and I just feel for a player who I know had, had fought his way back, not just at club level, but now at international level, and I wonder if this is one of very few opportunities left for Paul.
1: Uh, Paul will still have those opportunities because when he was healthy, he was a big part of that national team for Greg Berhalter. Uh, And he's also one of the few true wingers that Greg Berhalter has at his disposal. So if he's healthy, he'll get a sniff, he'll get a run, and the rest is up to him. I'm more interested in seeing the young blood. Uh, Busio, James Sands, uh, Eric Williamson. Those players, when they came in, were very good on the ball, were very tidy. Uh, Changed the dynamic of this game. Possession, bite, Uh, balance, which is very important for Greg Berhalter and this system. I thought they provided all that. Now, (laughs) listen, we're talking about a team with 12 players on the roster who have never played zero, one minute with the U.S. Men's National Team leading up to this first game versus Heidi. I understand that it's a young squad, but look at Mexico. Mexico, who's top dog in this region. They're going to play the Gold Cup. They had two games to prepare. Panama and Nigeria, albeit a U-20 Nigerian team, whatever you want, they had two games to prepare. Why did the U.S. men's national team look like a team who had never played together? Because they had never played together. You can't mimic those type of moments in a training session. It would have been so beneficial to Greg Berhalter and this team to maybe get just one game under their belt so when you do play Haiti, it doesn't look like the
0: first game you've ever played together. All right, enough from us on this match. Let's hear from the man himself, the manager, Greg Berhalter. Oh, let's not hear from him, unless his voice sounds like mine. Let's listen to what he would have said. It was way too slow, way too backwards, and not enough intent to turn Haiti around and get them defending in the penalty box from the attacking end. We were disappointed with the intent that we showed tonight. What do you think, Hurt? Kind of harsh, isn't it?
1: Kind of harsh, but it's the first time I've ever heard Greg Berhalter be critical of his team. I don't mind it. I don't mind it, but this yeah, is but also on, pick on the kid himself. Fine, but this is also on Greg Berhalter on himself because the moment Paul Areola goes down, you put in Giochini, Gio who's got the ability to maybe play on the wing, okay. But he's more of a second forward, he's more of somebody who's gonna sniff around in and around the box, not somebody who's gonna play that way in your system. So already, the personnel is off. Maybe this team is best suited to play a three, three center back-back line with wing backs when you have, and you can have two forwards instead of this 4-3-3 that you want to play, the way you want to play. Maybe you give players, if you yourself, by your decisions, have made it clear that this tournament isn't important. It's more important for Christian Pulisic, for uh, Giovanni Reina, for uh, Sergio Dest, for all these players like Weston McKinney to earn their places in preseason for the upcoming European seasons than to play in Gold Cup if this is a tournament that doesn't matter to you today. Why not give these young players a chance? Why doesn't Busio start? Why don't you see a player like Williamson? Why don't you see Sands already in there? Look at players who could potentially do something for you down the road, and I'm talking about now, 18 months worth. Somebody who can surprise. Don't go with the lineup we all knew you were gonna go
0: with. Speaking of, let's take a look at that 11 from Greg Berhalter, because it does feature some names, and how do I say this nicely? Divide Opinion. You know who I'm talking about. The Zardas of the world, the LeJets of the world. I take it from what you just said, you weren't a big fan of this starting lineup. It's predictable.
1: When I was working that game day, uh, FC, our producer Pete, text me. He's like, hey Eric, I need your starting 11 of what you think Reg's gonna put out for this game versus Haiti. I sat down to myself and I said, huh. I if I just put the most infuriating lineup for fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I put Reggie Cannon instead of Shaq Moore. <laughs> and it was Reggie Cannon instead of Shaq Moore until the scratch before the game started. And it's gonna infuriate fans for sure. Jackson Yule, who's not been playing well. He sometimes looks like a World Trap 2.0 version. Uh, you have Acosta, who I actually thought played decent, who divides opinion ever since those friendlies. That was probably more on Greg Halter than it was on Acosta because you're putting a player who's in preseason who hadn't had any time and trying to ask him to find the rhythm with these European players on your team. You look at legit to maybe a very good player, but definitely a player that divides opinion in the U.S. soccer fan base. And Sardis. Sardes, I, since Josie Altidore, there hasn't been a forward that's so polemic like Gyasi Sardis, and he's the second fastest player ever to get the double-digit goals and assists in the history of the program, but he's that type of player, and especially under Greg Berhalter. So what I thought Greg Berhalter would do, he did. And it doesn't make sense to me, because essentially, the way you wanna play possession-based with a numerical advantage on the wings, Sam Vines doesn't exactly scream that. Shaq Moore has really, a few times I've gotten to see him play, and he did better than, than I thought he would have but not the best at combining, more of a vertical player. I like his early service, but it wasn't like Lewis uh, looked like he was in rhythm, Ariola out to injury. It just seemed like it was so disjointed and so safe on Greg Berhalter's part.
0: Look, I know you want to see the kids. I think everybody wants to see the kids because we don't know what they are yet. They could be a 10 out of 10. you got to have some experience in the lineup in your opener of a continental tournament, right? And if you see where he puts it, it's kind of right in the spine of the team. Acosta Lejet in the midfield, Zimmerman, Zardes. I mean, that makes sense to me. You can't roll a team of 11 kids out there, can you? No, but I didn't say that. But you went as safe as you could with it.
1: Listen, Matt Turner isn't experienced. He started in the back of the goal. He started in the net. And that's a position where you completely want somebody who's sure. You want experience. He told Brad Guzan, essentially, you're going to be the number three moving forward in this program. Hmm. You know, Matt Turner got the shout walker zimmerman hasn't played with the national team in quite some time miles robinson hasn't played uh with greg berhalter very little if i'm not mistaken in the center of the park you've got players like acosta jackson yule who are young yet somewhat experienced but not too experienced with the national team so there isn't that all that great experience that you're talking about i would have mixed i would have Uh, Matched, and I would have gotten a little bit more explosive in the final third. Listen, if this is what it is, this tournament, and it doesn't
0: matter, well, make it count for you. Make it matter for you. Fair enough. USA and Mexico dominate Gold Cup usually, but they're not the only teams in it. We should shine some light on everybody else that's in the competition. By the way, Guatemala, they took uh, Cursa's spot, played against El Salvador. And look at this. El Salvador won 2-0, but that's not the story. The story here is that Alex Roldan, in his debut for La Selecta, gets the game-winner hurt. This is insane! Alex Roldan was in talks to go play with Guatemala, a
1: tri-national, El Salvador, Guatemala, and the US. He chose El Salvador, Hugo Perez, and El Salvador have something special going on. Lots of dual Nats, a very difficult team to play against, lots of ties in MLS and USL. Look at Joaquin Rivas,
0: go ahead, 702 Vegas. I see you, Joaquin, I see you. So Alex's brother, Christian, on the U.S. roster, Herc. If you look at the bracket, there is a potential scenario where maybe in the semifinals we could have a uh, Boateng brother rematch as we did at the uh, 2010 World Cup. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Italy champions of Europe after beating England at Wembley on penalties Sunday. In the penalty shootout, that man Gianluigi Donnarumma, the hero. Three misses for England, Her two of them from Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, who are, get this, and I'm not exaggerating, 120th minute substitute. So effectively, their first kick of the game is the penalty. Has Gareth Southgate, the England manager, asked too much of these players? Yeah. Absolutely,
1: 100%. Uh, He wasn't the only one, they weren't the only ones that missed. Bukayo Saka, obviously the the fifth shooter missed, but I'll, I'll concentrate on these two first. Rashford and Sancho. When you're a substitute, and you know you're going to come on, and you come on, it's about getting adapted, acclimated as quickly as possible to the rhythm of the game. The first touch of the game, make it a good one. Your psyche depends on that. So you come on on minute 120, you barely get a chance to even touch the ball. You know you're just pretty much coming on for the penalty kicks. You start overthinking things. You start questioning yourself. You're a very young player. You've never been in this situation and it's a decisive moment. You miss, it happens in sports, but you miss. This is so much on Southgate as it is on
0: these players. Fair enough. So. I'm glad you mentioned their age, because I think that probably should have factored into Southgate's decision-making, Correct. right? Rashford's 23, Sancho 21. These guys are very young. You mentioned Saka. I mean, he's just 19, 19. years old. So- Obviously, Herc, a, a lot of people have an opinion on kind of what should have happened Of course, Hindsight's 20 right? If these guys sink the pens, we're saying, what courage from Southgate to let the kids hit them. But nobody has an opinion quite like Jose Mourinho. So uh, what exactly is it that the special one, who of course you love so much, and you had him on your shirt, you had him on your friggin' shirt halfway through the show no. uh, last time. So what does Jose hey, Mourinho the then have to say About this. Quote, it does not matter if you are a great penalty taker or not. In this situation, where was Sterling? Where was Stones? And where was Luke Shaw? Mm. What do you think? He loves taking
1: shots at Luke Shaw, is what I think. He does, he does. But uh, he has a point. If you're a veteran player and you see the gaffer and he's gonna go with a younger player because he's seen these players in training after the training session is over, take penalty kicks in non-pressure situations. And he thinks to himself, look how calm he is. Look where he puts the ball. Look how good he is at this. It is so different from actually taking a penalty kick in a game, in a full stadium, in a championship, in a Euro final. And I go back to Bakayo Saka. He comes out at minute 70. Probably a player that had a fantastic tournament, mm. but played his worst minutes in the final. Those 20 minutes, 70 to 90, weren't the greatest. Overtime wasn't the greatest. So now you see a player who probably isn't in his most confident moment. And you're gonna make him the fifth penalty kick taker? The the second most decisive kick Mm. of the shootout? The first, your best. That was Harry Kane. Your second best shooter should go fifth. He's really gonna be your fifth. At 19 years of age, a I've never been there, I've never done it type of moment, and you're okay with it. Not only are you okay with him taking that penalty kick, but also two other young players in a crucial moment. Listen, anybody can miss. You know who misses? The players with the stones to take it, with the Mm. goal to take it. Those are brave enough to take it. Those are the players who miss. But this is on Southgate. You need to know better. You, quite frankly, need to protect your players better.
0: Look, Jose Mourinho, you're right. The Luke Shaw thing is starting to get weird. <laughs> like, clearly they weren't, they weren't mates at Manchester United. Fair enough. But Jose Mourinho now, and he's working in the media, so people are asking his opinion. Dude, Luke Shaw was, like, amazing this yeah. tournament. Had a great Shaw tournament. Carlos. And Mourinho still, still finds a way to criticize him. I don't know if you noticed it there either in the quote. The only player whose full name he gave? Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Yeah. Luke Shaw. Very, uh, very interesting. On a much sadder note, Herc, of course, you know, when, when players miss penalties— They're going to get they're going to get it from fans. Yeah. Um, But that abuse. And I don't think this is surprising at all. Turned racial online. And it actually even spilled out into the streets. We saw Marcus Rashford, who, for many off the field reasons, is really like a true hero of the people in England for all that he's done for for underprivileged kids and making sure that they have a place to eat. There's a mural of him, uh, I think not far from where he grew up, and it was vandalized. Herc, now shout out to the people from that neighborhood. They've come, and as you can see here, they posted notes and notes of support, not just for Rashford, but to obviously cover up um, the graffiti. I mean, sad, sad, infuriating are the first words that come to mind for me. What about you?
1: Sad, infuriating, not surprised, sadly. Hmm. Fans today think that They pay a TV subscription. They buy a ticket. It gives them carte blanche to say what they want, to hide behind a a computer screen, to be anonymous and say and do hurtful things because they think these are celebrities, because they think they make money. They should be able to handle it. It it, it really shows you where we are today as a society where a sporting event would drive people to say and do these type of things. But like I said, not surprising. The moment that it was... Rashford, Sancho, and Saka that missed. Mm-hmm. It came to not just us, but pretty much everybody. The next steps, what you knew was going to happen by a sad bunch of individuals.
0: Yeah, this reminds me a lot of the situation with Mexico in that I think like, the federation really needs to be aggressive and active here. This is not a surprise, Herc, primarily because in the weeks leading up to this tournament, there was a campaign. Yeah. From Gareth Southgate and all the players to make sure that everybody understood why they were taking a knee. To make everybody understand that it wasn't political. That it was down to equality and the pursuit of that and anti-racism. So even with all that, people were booing the English national team when they took a knee. Um, That's a sign that worse things are to come. So the federation, if they don't want those worst things to come, and they don't want the abuse that we see spilling over here into the streets, and of course it's awful when it happens online as well, then authorities have to act. That's the bottom line. The Mexican federation waited way too long on this chant, and now it's out of control. And I worry, and this may be already out of control, but I worry that it'll get further out of control. If the English FA doesn't really aggressively step up their anti-racist work in that footballing community, because if we can point the finger at the Mexican footballing community, we got to point it at the English here, too. That's the unfortunate part is
1: it's on these federations, because if it's on UEFA and it's on FIFA and it's on CONCACAF, nothing will happen. They won't care enough about it to actually do something about it. So it's in the hands of these actual federations to weed this out.
0: Hey, and uh, shockers of all shockers, Cristiano Ronaldo, the golden boot at Euro 2020. The hurricane is pretty surprising considering Portugal went out in the round of 16. Okay, went out in the round of 16, but it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Can you name a
1: competition this man hasn't led in goal scoring? La Liga, Champions League, Serie A, international football, quite frankly, the best goal scorer we have ever
0: seen on the men's side. Hey, they don't call him Pinaldo for nothing though, right? Uh, I mean, what? Okay. Three, three of the five were penalties? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, you it's got that. All time leading goal scorer because of penalties. Good one, too. So, totally, I'm looking at this at this incredible, incredible graphic. You know what he never did? What? He never scored double digits for Puebla. Ah.
1: He never won a What's Liga MX
0: scoring title. Man after
1: my own heart. That's right.
0: <laughs> Take that penalty. messi winning his first international trophy with argentina of course he won the olympics but that's not a major international trophy and not only does he win it with argentina but he beats brazil in brazil won nothing on this spectacular finish from angel di maria all right her messi's legacy is great even without this but what does this do for his legacy you said it. it's great even without this all this does
1: is silence the naysayers. What can you say now? Is it the World Cup? Okay, sure. If not for Gonzalo Higuain, he'd have a World Cup. He'd have three Copa Americas. This man has won six Ballon d'Ors. He's gonna go on a seventh this year. I don't know who can top that. Who can stop mm-hmm. that? This is a player, the first Argentine captain to lift a trophy in Brazil. The first time they've ever won in Brazil in a competitive match. The first time that Brazil has not won a Copa America while hosting. Leonel Messi, in my eyes, is the greatest footballer who's ever lived. I know you guys want to bring up Diego Maradona and Pelé, and that's fine. World Cup, where not the best football in the world is played. Pelé, who never played outside of, of Brazil or Europe. He played in the United States, if you want to count that. Never won a European title. Same thing with Maradona. This man, if not for Cristiano Ronaldo, would have completely swept 15, 16 years of our lives. Yeah. What he is able to do with a soccer ball, I've seen few do. Sidan used to say, I'm sorry, Michel Platini used to say of Sidan, what Sidan can do with a soccer ball, Maradona can do with an orange. If that's the case, Messi can do it with marbles. It's that easy.
0: He's the greatest player I've ever seen and the GOAT. There you go. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you don't want to lean too much on statistics, but you compare him to the old school guys, and like nobody has ever dominated the game statistically at the highest level, for as long as Messi has. The only comp is actually Ronaldo, with all that he's done in that same time. So the idea that we have two of these guys at the same time doing this is amazing. The one thing I would say about his legacy, I think this means more for his legacy in Argentina than it does globally. If you're outside Argentina and you're not Argentine, don't ever complain about Messi. Right? He's given us 10 and 15 just incredible years of moments. But you kind of do understand the Argentines and say, hey, but but where's our title, especially when you talk about the comparisons with Maradona, him winning in 86. You want to talk about Mario Kempis, him winning in 78. Argentina had that history, and Messi wasn't able to replicate it until now. He also ends a long drought for Argentina. Yes, well, yeah. It had been 28 years 28. since they last won this competition. So I think in a lot of ways to Argentine fans, they can now put that to rest. He's done what he had to do for them. And let me just say two things. One, Diego Armando
1: Maradona nor Pelé ever won Copa America. And two, 28 years after winning their first national or say the next national title or uh, international title, they now have 18 months where they can go and try that in the World Cup, where now Brazil is one of the top three teams ranked in the world and Argentina will be one of the top 10 teams ranked in the world.
0: All right, so as long as we're talking about legacy, let's talk about the other side of the final, and that's Brazil losing 1-0 at the Maracanã in Brazil. Neymar is a player who's getting to the prime, is in the prime, really, of his career. He's 29 years old, Herc. As we look at the images from after the match, Messi and Neymar laughing. We'll get into that in just a second, but does Neymar's legacy now take a hit after this game? You know, I'd like to say no, and we'll go into that,
1: But it sort of does, because in Neymar, he will eventually lead lead up being the all-time leading goal scorer in Brazilian history. And last week, we asked who was under more pressure, if it was Mm. Neymar or if it was Messi, and I said Neymar. Well, he's clearly not under that pressure, even though he is in Brazil, but because he doesn't put that pressure on him. Look at him post-game, and you see the type of pressure this player instills in himself when it comes to this tournament, when it comes to football in general. So... What does do to, to his legacy, I think, cement the idea that Neymar has always been a player that beats to the rhythm of his own drum, that doesn't care what others think, that isn't interested in the allocates, it not interested in the, in the trophies. He's going to do things his way.
0: Not interested in the trophies. What else is there? I think this proves he's an all-time talent, but not an all-time great, Herc. Because if you don't care about trophies, then what's the actual point? He could have won trophies for a decade more had he wanted to stay at Barcelona. Yeah. But he didn't because he wanted to be the guy. And let's be honest about this Brazilian team. What happened two years ago when they were in Brazil playing the Copa América without Neymar? They won. Yeah. Could you make the argument Brazil's a better team without him? If that's the case, if that is the case, you're you're not an all-time great. You may be an all-time great talent and you may be a lot of fun to watch and your YouTube videos may get millions and millions of views. But at the end of the day, if you're not making your team better, if your team does worse in a tournament when you're there... That's a major, major Mm, blow for your legacy. I think also, Herc, I think also, Herc, the images that we saw are a blow to his legacy, because let's be honest, this visual of him and Messi after the match, moments after the match, not this visual, this This, is obviously what you understand.
1: This is nice, moments after the match, and you take this, this is a sign of mutual respect. But as this went on 15 minutes later, he was still there, almost to the fact where he's gonna put the medal on Messi himself. (laughs) As a Brazilian, I could only imagine the general public seeing their bitter rivals beat them for the first time on their soil, losing Copa America for the first time to said bitter rival, losing for the first time in three years Because last time they lost was in Russia in the quarterfinals against Belgium. To this rival, after completely walking all over
0: Combinable, yeah, it's a bitter pill to swallow if you're Brazilian. So Neymar was explaining it, of course, on social media. And he had some uh, interesting comments. Losing hurts me. It hurts me. It's something I haven't learned to live with yet. Yesterday when I lost, I went to give a hug to the biggest and best in history that I've seen play. My friend and brother Messi. I got sad and told him, well, you see what he told him. I don't know, Herc. I have a lot of respect for what he did for football and especially for those who hate to lose. But enjoy. Football was waiting for you for this moment. Congrats, brother. Look, I've got an issue with this. Yeah, I got a bit. I got an issue with it. I don't have a problem with who he's with. Right. I have a problem with with who he's not with. And that's his teammates. And if you're a leader, if you're this talisman, if you're this iconic Brazilian figure, Be with the guys that you need to be with in those moments after the game. There's a nation mourning the fact that you just lost. There's a locker room devastated by the fact that you just lost. And you're hanging out with your buddies and you're laughing. I I don't know what it sends, the message it sends to the Brazilian public. If I was a teammate of his Herc, I wouldn't be feeling really great seeing those images. No. Teammates, public, the press, we've seen... Lots of
1: players get villainized for this type of action. Eden Hazard, uh, most recently when what was Real Madrid versus Chelsea. If you want to go back a further, a little bit back, and go to our region, Oribe Peralta and the Chivas players for exchanging jerseys with the Club Medica players, certainly nothing like hanging around a ceremony for 15, 20 minutes with your buddy. All right, a few more
0: things from the weekend in Conmebol. Let's... In case you missed it, um, always dancing. Oh, no, no, this is Messi. Is this Messi singing his own song? Is that allowed? I guess if you're Messi.
1: That's the GOAT. Do what you want, my friend. You just won <laughs> an international title for the first time. Do what you want. Well, no, not the first time,
0: because he won the Olympics. So let's call it the second time. Lots of dancing there, but nobody dances quite like ooh, Papu. Here ooh, he is ooh, taking ooh, it up ooh, another ooh, level. Ooh. I, I think Messi's in the background shouting, Baila ora, baila ora. Papu, that's my primo.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, that's my. Look at that, Gomez right there. Go ahead, Papu. At, oh, get him! Hit
0: him with it! Hey, what about uh What
3: about this, eh? Ah, a
0: Man, what was in that drink that Kun was so worried about everybody seeing, huh? What's yeah. going on there? Here is uh, Messi returning home. There it is, with his wife and his kids. What a moment. What a moment for that family. Unbelievable moment. If I can go back really
1: quick to Kun Agüero and Di Maria. When they won the Olympics, that trio was together. Guess who with the goal scorer in that 1-0 win against Nigeria?
0: Angel Di uh, you Maria. Me. You'll tell me, I'm sure. Big man for the big final, uh, the delivery guy, he said, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick around for this. I'm not missing this. He's doing the right thing. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about work. <laughs> it's La like Copa America. Incredible. Incredible scenes there, boy! What a weekend it was, huh, Herc? We got a new champion in South America, in Argentina. We got a new champion in Europe as well, in Italy, and we may be heading to a new champion in the Gold Cup. Much, much more to come, especially on the Gold Cup. We got what? Mexico playing Wednesday, US playing Thursday. So we will be all over all of that on the next edition of Football Américas, right here on ESPN Plus. And the Olympics are starting soon.